All right. So before we get into the podcast, I just want to drop on two quick ads and pay the bills. My name is Chio Dogu. I run a digital marketing agency based right here in the GTA. We do everything from helping clients launch podcasts, getting entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and speakers booked on podcasts as celebrity guests, creating lead generation campaigns for local businesses using Facebook ads, Instagram ads, LinkedIn ads, and YouTube ads. We also create landing pages and online funnels to help local businesses, entrepreneurs, and big businesses turn clicks into customers. If you're struggling to generate leads and grow your business, hit me up at info at odogwu.com or you can get on my website at www.odogwu.com. That's www.odogwu.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. Let me know what you're thinking. And with that said, let's get on with the show. Hey guys, welcome to another exciting episode of the GTA Business Titans podcast. My guest today is Kevin D. Kevin is the founder and chairman of Eagle Professional Resources, Inc. It's a high-altitude staffing company that helps large companies and government organizations fulfill their human capital need. He was a former management consultant with Anderson Consultant when he and his colleagues seized an opportunity to purchase the staffing division of Anderson. They eventually spun it off to become Eagle in 1996. In his 20-year career as the CEO of Eagle, he led the company with a small team of 10 when they first started out and $10 million in revenue to, by the time he retired 20 years later, the company had exceeded revenues over $140 million. He's been named CEO of the year in the past. His company is consistently recognized as one of the best companies to work for in Canada. I'm pleased to have Kevin D on the show today to tell us a little bit about his business, his experience, and of course, some words of wisdom for people that want to build thriving businesses in the GTA. So with that said, Kevin, welcome to the program. Thanks, Chi. Great. Happy to be here. Great. So, Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mentioned your bio briefly, but I know you're an expat. You, well, you're not an expat anymore. You moved many years ago to Canada from Liverpool. So tell us a little bit about your journey as a young man coming to Canada. Okay. Uh, so I left school uh, early at 16 and went in the Royal Navy. So actually, I went from Liverpool to the Royal Navy uh, I was an aircraft mechanic in the Royal Navy. I spent seven years there, uh, which was a great journey for me, learning a lot and uh, growing up a lot. Um, and when I left the Royal Navy, I had choices whether to stay as an aircraft mechanic or do something different. I went back to school, became a computer programmer. I worked for Barclays Bank for a couple of years as a computer programmer in England, uh, actually just south of Manchester. And... Um, I guess seven years in the Royal Navy gave me a little bit of wanderlust, so uh, I was a little bored with uh, working in the big corporate environment, nine to five, and wanted to do something different and explored opportunities, applied for jobs in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, uh, got hired in Canada uh, by Manitoba Telephone Systems, which was my uh, gateway to coming to Canada. Mm. So that was uh, 1982, I arrived in Canada. Uh, working for Manitoba Tel. Mm. That's uh, the brief e- England to Canada journey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your experience like, you know, moving here, working for Manitoba Tel, and then eventually ending up in Anderson before we get to the Eagle story? 
Sure. Um, I, I think anybody who immigrates to Canada uh, goes through uh, various stages. You have to, uh, even though England and Canada are very similar, the, there are plenty of differences, and so it takes time to settle. Uh, you've moved away from family and friends, so um, uh, that takes time to, to reestablish yourself in a new place. Uh, so it was it was the first couple of years I think were a bit dodgy in terms of getting settled down mm. that kind of stuff um, but um, it, it didn't take too long to recognize that here in Canada I think the opportunities were far greater for me than than back in England mm. so um, here I think uh, the feeling is that you can do whatever you set your mind to. If you want to do something, you can go for it. And there's not the only barrier is yourself, really. Yeah. Uh, in, in England, the feeling was um, a little less than that. I think there's still that it still is today a little bit of a class hangover. There is there are barriers to uh, growing beyond your station, if mm -hmm. you like, mm -hmm. in England that just don't exist here in Canada. And that was empowering. That was good. Mm. Awesome, awesome stuff. So you find yourself working for Anderson Consulting, and um, what was your career trajectory like? Because I know you were a systems integrator at one point, and then you were asked to lead the staffing division. Correct? Yeah, yeah, kind of. I was I was in sales okay. with uh, with Anderson. So uh, Anderson had a subsidiary here called Synologic. Uh, so I was the sales manager for Synologic to start with. Uh, then we all got integrated into the Anderson Consulting model. Uh, so my primary role was um, was the pursuit of large projects for oh. Anderson Consulting. Oh. Um, so the managing partner came along one day and said, Kevin, I got a new role for you. Uh, we'd had a reorganization here, and um, it resulted in uh, a division being formed, which was all of the independent contractors that were on Anderson Consulting jobs. And... Uh, he told me that I was going to lead this division, uh, which um, I wasn't all that keen on, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> and then he made it clear that this wasn't really a request. This was, <laughs> this was my new role. So, uh, so I started. And um, what was the most interesting about it was that uh, I all of a sudden had gone from you know, a, a sales management type of role to running what was basically a business within a business. Yes. And um, so I, I ran that division for about two years before we split away. Uh, but you know, Anderson made the decision that the division was not core to what they did as a company. Mm -hmm. So they, they wanted it to to go away, and you know, I uh, I offered to buy it, and uh, they gave me that opportunity. So. We, uh, that was the genesis of it. And when we started, there were 10 of us who came over from Anderson who had been, we'd all been working together in that division. And uh, um, that was the start of Eagle. So we basically bought the, the assets yes. of that division, the yeah. contracts, basically, is what we got. Okay. So it sounds to me like you ended up in this field almost by accident, like most people end up in their fields. But what I want to know is, what did you spot early on? You know, you only spent two years there before you decided to buy the assets and spin the company off. So what did you see that made you say, hey, maybe guys, let's let's look at this and let's take it 
um, private on our own, and then let's make a go of this by ourselves. What was the opportunity there for you? Well, I think that the opportunity for me was that um, I saw the value that the independent contractor model brings to companies. Okay. So, and, and through that, to the Canadian economy, if you like, or any economy where they allow independent contractors. So it's a it's a very flexible, powerful workforce that can go where the need is, and mm-hmm. that that was cool. Um, the demand was there. And growing, you know, we were entering a phase of skill shortages. You know, the the uh, everybody's written about the baby boom bubble mm-hmm. and the fact that the boomers are all retiring, and you know, we're in the middle of that right now. But 20 years ago, that was approaching, and that was an opportunity. Um, I knew the finances of the division; we were making money. It yeah. was uh, I was running it already. Uh, within you know, so there were a lot of things I didn't have to worry about as a part of Anderson Consulting that all of a sudden changed when we <laughs> formed our own company. Yeah. But but still, you know, the 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 day to day operations were the same. We 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 had clients. Uh, we had to find the talent that they needed when they needed it at the price they needed it. So that was that was really the same kind of model back then as it is today. Mm. And now looking at that model, the value of the independent contractor model, I want to juxtapose that with what's currently happening with the rise of the gig economy. Uh, um, skipping forward now for a little bit, is the gig economy a threat to your to Eagle's business model? Because it seems like they're almost in parallel position. The, the gig economy is the Eagle model. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, the... We've been doing this for years. Okay. The, it's, it's existed for years. But what's happened is the technology has come along. Yeah. And, and and technology all the way through since we've been in business 20 years, there's been uh, evolutions in the technology. And uh, every new evolution, people think it might be the end of you know the middleman, which is basically what we are. Um, the reality is so far has been that the tools have been used by the middlemen to make us more efficient, mm. more cost competitive, um, and more capable of meeting the needs of our clients. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our clients are, you know, they're banks or they're oil companies or they're government departments. They're not staffing companies. Yeah. And so they do a lot of their own of that. Like everybody tries to do everything themselves, but when you need things, you know, professionals, then that's what we do. That's our core business. Okay. So, so it's, um, it's not a business that's going to go away. It's changing a lot with yeah. technology. Yeah. Certainly in the in the gig economy, you know, to you know, we focus on professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a big part of our industry is focused on you know blue collar workers or or temporary help, uh, administrative staff, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That model is changing much more than the professional model is, mm-hmm. um, because if you want some somebody who, who's capable of coming in, lifting and shifting some boxes, you know, one person is exactly the same as the next person. If yes. they can shift the box, they're good. In the professional world, it's not quite like that. Mm-hmm. In, you know, in, in technology, if you want a uh, full-stack developer, you know, one full-stack developer is not the same as the next. Mm-hmm. You need people with industry expertise. You need people with specific technology expertise. So... It's not it's not as simple to replace that middleman capability, if you like, yeah. with 
with uh, even with artificial intelligence. Yeah. So it, it's uh, it's it's going to take a long time before that makes a huge dent in what we do. Oh. So I, I I'm very excited about our industry. Yeah. So so it sounds yeah. to me like you guys kind of skate to where the puck is. You know, you, you find candidates even bef- with the expertise even before your client says, "Hey, I need a guy that has." A, B, and C skill set and is specialized in this particular industry. Is that a fair assessment? Um, somewhat. Okay. Uh, I think that you know we have over 20 odd years, we've built a database of 400,000 people in Canada who are technology people that 20 years ago might have just been starting out in their careers and today they're the, they're the CIOs and the, the senior people out there. So we've we've got this 20-year history with this database of people, and what we do is we have the ability to do deep dives on that today, understand where the technology skills are that that are going to be in demand. Mm-hmm. But it's really we're really a just-in-time service, if you like. Okay. Clients clients come for, to us when they need people. They need them now. They don't need them, you know, three months from now. Okay. So, so we're, we need to be kind of on the ball in terms of where they are and then get out and find them if, if we need to. Mm. Okay. So now let's talk a little bit about building the business from getting clients. I know you started off your career as a salesman in the industry, but tell us a little bit more about um, when you, I know you don't actively lead day to day, you you're the chairman now, but you know, when you were building the business, what were some of your best methods of like getting clients for your business? Because your industry is quite competitive. There are a lot of staffing agencies out there. And also the margins tend to be smaller, maybe around 10 to 15% if my research is correct. So how were you able to consistently get larger and larger clients and help them meet their needs? I think um, a couple of things. First, first of all, we needed a strategy that said, "What are we going to be?" So, in, a, in the staffing world, we have competitors who will service the biggest clients, which we tend to do. We have competitors who service kind of mid-range clients, which offers different challenges. Uh, and you have some that will service more the kind of startup type of clients. And each requires a, a slightly different approach a different um, capability and results in different kinds of margins. So if you're servicing that that smaller companies, there's less demand coming from a small company, but they tend to get higher margins. Mm-hmm. So so we chose to go after the big uh, clients. It was a conscious choice. We knew it would be more cost competitive. So in order to be cost competitive, we needed to be um, – as efficient as we could possibly be so that we could keep our costs in line with those kind of margins. So, so, you know, the first thing is the strategy. You need to have a strategy. What, what kind of clients do you want to go after? And then once you have that strategy to go after big clients, um, you need credibility. So, you know, we, we were lucky we had credibility because we had existing clients when we started the company, mm-hmm. some quite big ones. And so, uh, that helps you. So, yeah. Um, you're able to parlay that into other larger clients based upon your wins that you can demonstrate. Um, 
a lot of these clients, well, certainly all of them today, to get in to be a supplier to them, uh, there's almost always a, a, an RFP process. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've got to have the right story to tell. You've got to be able to uh, to meet all of the needs that that they determine in their in their proposals. Um, but typically, if, if a cold proposal comes in uh, and a cold RFP comes in, then your chances of success are low. So you mm. need to have you need to have knowledge of the account, an understanding of what the needs are going to be before they actually hit the street. You need to have relationships that are going to go to bat for you internally, that, those kind of things. So those, so you need a whole strategy, pursuit strategy, if you like, okay. for going after large clients. Uh, so some of the ways that we had success were we would have clients who would move from one company to another. Mm. So they already knew us. They could open the door for us. They could give us an opportunity. We'd have a chance to prove our capability. And then you can build on that and grow in that way. That's always been one way to to add new clients. Um, uh, we focus in specific industries. So if we, you know, we're in the banking industry, for instance, and if we're successful in one bank, then that's a great story to go to another bank with to say, you know, this is, this is some success we've had here. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we, and that helps you to get in with those guys. Early on, because we came from a system integration background, so when we started the company, uh, like I say, I came from Anderson Consulting, which today is called Accenture. Um, and my wife came from IBM. Yes. So, so that, that, that was kind of our background. We knew the system integration space, those big consulting companies. And so we went after those guys because they, they have huge projects that they win. And if you look at the model that most of these guys use, there's a very high percentage on any project that are independent contractors. Mm -hmm. So, if we could become a supplier to those guys that it's the big, they have big demands. So, you know, skinny margins, but big demand. And that was part of our strategy as well. Mm. Now, now you just mentioned, Oh, were you going to say no, something? Okay. No, that's good. You yeah. just mentioned your wife. And I remember from one of the, for some of the research I did about you, that your wife and you were kind of working in the same field at the time. And uh, <laughs> and so sometimes yeah. you were actually going after the same project. So talk a little bit about those early days where you know you guys were you know on opposite sides of the same deal, but at the same yeah. time you'd have to come home and you know there's a Chinese wall. You can't say, "Hey, honey, this is what happened in my day," because she's working on the opposite side trying to get the deal also. <laughs> That was absolutely right. And I often say to people, you know, my wife and I have worked now together in this company now for 21 years. And she's the CEO today yeah. here. Um, and, uh, you know, people say, how can you work together? I said, well, try working in competition and you realize working together is much better. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when uh, Janice was at IBM, she was the director of system integration uh, in Ottawa. And I was with Anderson Consulting in sales. So, yes, every large deal that the federal government had, IBM would be going after and Accenture would be going after. So mm -hmm. Anderson Consulting would be going after. So it was always the case 
that, you know, we come home and, you know, what did you do today, dear? Can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was interesting. It, it, it created some friction too, because there were, there were people who would, you know, if, if IBM lost a deal, there'd be people making sly suggestions that yes. maybe, maybe Janice had passed information over or something. It was, it was, um, it, uncomfortable mm -hmm. it was silly but it was uncomfortable but yeah. um, at the end of the day i can say working together is, is way easier than working, working in competition mm. so what are some of the advantages of working together with your spouse for so many years and then eventually you know handing over the mantle of leadership to her and taking more of an advisory role in the business so yeah, so I think uh, in the early days, one of the things I always said was, um, uh, you know, I, I I came from pretty humble background. I'm not, uh, I don't think I have all the answers to life's big problems, uh, but we've had success. So mm -hmm. I, I very often would look in the mirror and say, you know, am I still the right guy? Am I still, have I still got that drive, that passion? Have I still got new ideas? Am I still the right guy to be doing this. And I always said that if the time came that I didn't think I was the right guy anymore, or I thought somebody else could do a better job, then I should get out the way. So, um, I, I, after 20 years, I think I felt like we were getting a bit stale okay. and uh, a little bit of a shakeup was needed. And, uh, Janice had been COO for many years anyway. So mm -hmm. I think, uh, and and also you know she's got the MBA and she's got done the ICDD um, directors college at, at Rotman and she's you know she's the brains of the family so it seemed to make sense <laughs> <laughs> and so and and but it didn't mean I was I was retiring the idea yes. was to change my role to be be less day to day so mm -hmm. I've become so for the last two years I've been very focused on. Um, where is our industry going? Yeah. What is the future of, of the staff industry? What is what is happening in technology that affects and there's a huge amount of stuff going on in mm -hmm. technology affecting our industry? And how do we best harness that as yes. Eagle to get, get better and better and better? So that's, those are some of the things I've been involved with. I've been involved with, I spend some of my time on coaching activities with sales team and with the our executive team. Um, and, and, you know, I still am... Uh, a little bit active in the industry association. I was, I was on the national board of one of the industry associations for eleven years, and on the other one for five years. Mm. And so I'm still, I still get involved and, and help out there whenever I can. So, mm. so that's, that's kind of my my time is spent more on those things than than on the day to day operations. Mm. I think the benefit of Janice running the company, like it's it's pretty cool after twenty years. You know, we can go home and just not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, but and then there's other times when we do talk about it, and we know it all so intimately that it, it it's an easy conversation. Yeah. Um, and or if Janice wants to bounce ideas off me, that's okay. Uh, if uh, if I think it's getting too much, then I tell her. Mm. <laughs> so it, um, it works. It's it's good. When the kids were still home. Um, what was interesting, we'd sit at the kitchen table and obviously we'd, we'd talk a little too much about business and they'd let us know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that, was, that was always good. You know, mom, dad, that's enough. <laughs> Let's talk about something else. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> 
But yeah. Um, that's yeah, that's kind of the way it's played out, and it's worked out well. Very nice. Very and of course, we, we have similar values and similar outlook on life. So, you know, you want the culture of your company to to stay whole, even if you're changing what you in it. So, yes. um, you know, our culture changed. We're still very focused on a culture that is Eagles culture, one that is focused on making it a great place to work and a great place for our clients and a great place for the candidates that we work with. Mm. So So now speaking about culture, uh, you've mentioned, Mm -hmm. like I mentioned earlier, you know, Eagle has been featured on the list of great places to work in Canada for many years. I I think it's over 10 years when I last looked. So tell us a little bit about how you guys build the culture into such a place where, you know, employees want to work there and clients want to work with you guys because you guys have a phenomenal culture and it shows in the marketplace in terms of your reputation with your peers as well as, you know, your competitors. I think, I think it goes back to the Anderson consulting days. I think, you know, Anderson is now Accenture and they're one of the world's great consulting companies. And, and um, I think one of the things that I learned early is, is that the, the core values uh, core values are not just something you write up on a wall. Core values are what you use to determine the culture of the company you're going to build. Yeah. So if you do that first, if one of your first tasks when building a company is to determine what kind of company you really want, um, it makes decision-making easier. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you look at our vision, our vision is to be the number one professional staff and company of choice number one for our, our, can, our clients, for our candidates, and for our employees. So whenever we have a management meeting, so we have quarterly strategic planning sessions where we're discussing you know, where we're going and what we're doing and, and how we can get to that next level. But every decision we make is, is guided by that vision. Is, that, is this decision going to make things better for our employees, for our clients, or for our candidates? If it's not, why are we doing it? Mm. Right? And then our core values. You know, you know uh, we have um, uh, four core values, and, and it's the same thing. It's like, are we being true to our values with, with these decisions that we make? So uh, you can't make decisions to do something that's outside of that. You know, and integrity is one of those, for instance. So if, if I always say to people, integrity, every company in the world, so we have integrity. And I always say, well, integrity is great until it's going to cost you a dollar. That's yeah. when you know if you have integrity. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, think, I think, you know, we, we know what it means. And, and we, we still believe it should be a core value, whether it costs us a dollar or not. Mm-hmm. It's who we want to be. So there was, you know, a team. Team from the beginning, we wanted uh, a team-based atmosphere, one where our employees support each other, help each other, and have a, a common goal of, of success, not just I'm looking after myself. And, you know, it, that helps and shows too. So we try to create, you know, compensation structures that support that, try to create 
uh, processes that support that. And, uh, uh, you know, we drive it home with the team all the time about this importance of team. Mm. And if, you know, you look after your buddy, he's going to look after you. Yes. And it, it's good. It works. And it's, and people feel it. People know this isn't just one more commission-based environment where everybody makes the best money they can make, and whether it's at the expense of somebody else or not. Mm. Not that there's anything wrong. We have commission too, but it's just it, it's geared in such a way that we we know, you know, we're helping each other, yes. and we'll all do better. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. So as we start to transition towards the end of the show, this middle section is basically, you know, finding out some advice from you in terms of helping a business owner in the GTA grow their business. So my first question for this segment is a business owner that is facing some challenging periods in terms of like making sales, getting clients through the door. What are some of your best advice for them to build their business? Given that you've built your business significantly over the years. So someone struggling in this area and needs to start, um, you know, bringing in more clients and making more sales. What, what would you advise that person to start doing? I'd say my, my, the first thing I would say is, is, Get yourself a peer group uh, to share uh, your challenges with. So when I started Eagle, you know, there's lots of them out there. There's, you know, YPO and tech and young presidents. There's this, the EO. There's, there's a whole bunch of these groups for people who run companies. Okay. And you join them and, you know, you, you spend time with peers who have the same challenges that you do. What I did when I started Eagle was I started my own group. I, I phoned up two people. So I'd, I'd run this division for Anderson Consulting for two years, but I'd never run a company. Mm. <laughs> so I phoned two guys who I knew who ran small companies and said, you know, how about we form a little group? And I said, can you phone some people you know? And we ended up, well, we started out with about 10 people who all ran small companies and we get together on a monthly basis. And over a few years, I grew to about 30 people in that group by the time we finished. And we had to get together every month. We do it at somebody's boardroom, you know, bring in some beer and some pizza and we talk about our challenges. Mm. Every company has the same challenges, mm. whether you are in staffing or with your bank or your oil company, I don't care what you are. You have the same challenges, you know, People challenges, money challenges, strategy challenges, market challenges, sales challenges, they're all the same. Mm. So it was really cool to be able to talk to somebody from a totally different industry and see how they did stuff. And you, oh, geez, that's a good idea. And that's, that, it was very powerful. Mm. So that's, that would be my first, first advice to anybody. Uh, you know, um, often you can find a mentor, um, you have to be careful with mentors because, uh, you know, I've had mixed success with mentors, yeah. right? You know, it, it, so you have to find the right people and that there's a process through that. But I think a, a, a good mentor can be invaluable. Mm -hmm. You can also have advisory groups. So if you, you want to grow and you have some key clients, then will people from those key clients be advisors to you just to help you get to the next level. Yeah. 
Um, and, and, you know, they don't have to be formal. They can be very informal. They don't even have to be paid. Some people are often happy to go out and have a few beers and, and offer advice and, you know, even on a regular basis. So, yeah, you know, I think we, you can do lots of things formally. You can do things informally. Okay. And the next question for this segment is, well, what were some of the resources and advantages of growing your business in the GTA? So what were some tools you relied on to help you grow your business specifically in this region? Um, a good one. I think, I think um, the GTA is our largest market and always has been our largest market. And uh, the the biggest thing for us was the fact that it's it's the home of the most head offices in Canada. Okay. Um, and the types of services that we supply are two head offices. So you know the IT shops of big banks are here. Mm-hmm. The IT shops of of large insurance companies are kind of here or Montreal. So you 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 know where your target market is, and this was the biggest target market. So being here offered great advantage. It's also home to six million people, so it's the largest source of talent for our clients too. Mm. So so um, those are good things. The, it's um, it's challenging from a commuter perspective <laughs> which can cause problems <laughs> as you can guess right yeah. if you live in mississauga you probably don't want to go on contract in, in scarborough but yeah. it's uh you know it's okay i mean you can you can handle those kinds of things yeah. there are a ton of resources here too of course when the, you know the chamber of commerce and, and organizations like that depending upon what, what your business is there are many many of those kinds of groups uh and within the the different municipalities, you know, Mississauga, Oakville, they all have their own kind of little groups that that can help business development in in those organisations. Mm. I I think industry associations are also hugely helpful. I mean, you are sitting down with your competitors, so people think, well, why is that going to help me to grow my business? But when you sit down with your competitors. The staffing industry's biggest challenge is not really uh, each other. Our biggest challenge is a regulatory change from government or mm. those kinds of issues. Yeah. So, so when we sit together, we talk about those kinds of issues. How do we educate um, politicians, for instance, about the impact of the changes that they bring in? You know, Bill 148 would be a recent case. I mean, we didn't have much impact on its on it coming in we were able to get our messages across and there were you know that it was felt that they weren't strong enough to stop it moving forward you get the chance to do it as a group as opposed to individually you just don't get that kind of opportunity Mm. okay great stuff great stuff and now this is the final third of the show where i ask you personally about some of your favorite things to do in the GTA. So could you tell us, first of all, you know, what are your favorite things to do? I know you, you have an awesome bike. So, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a few yeah. of your favorite things to do and some of your favorite restaurants and hotspots. 
Sure. I mean, I, um, <laughs> well, okay. So motorbiking, I, I, uh, I, I'm a, I like my motorbike. Uh, I like to go cruising. Um, I actually, I'm part of a, a group of CEOs who ride motorcycles, but they're from all over the country, uh, all over North America, actually. And we, we go off on rides, uh, our next one is the first Canadian one. We're going to go from Vancouver to Calgary in, wow. in August. Uh, so that's a it's going to be a five day uh, trip with lots of little side rides to to keep us interested. But for that, we do five days. We do a half day of business and then four or five ride hours of riding in the afternoon and then an evening uh, of socializing and networking and uh, and again it's the same thing of that peer group mm-hmm. knowledge sharing. So that's great. But here in the, here in the GTA, uh, like I'm, uh, I love the. I used to love the King West restaurants. I haven't been out there since the uh, the new uh, King Street changes. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? But yeah. uh, it's, it's true. It, it kind of affected me. You know, it's kind of well, we don't do that as much as we used to. Um, you know, we'll go and uh, grab pizza from uh, from uh, True on uh, King Street. We'll get uh, uh, gelato from the gelato store on the corner of Jarvis and Adelaide. We'll do uh, those kinds of things. We like to go um, uh, to uh, uh, which other restaurants? B and O on the corner of Young and, and uh, Wellington. Um, well, it's, it's hard to say. We, we we also have a place up in Barry, which which uh, we spend our weekends at, and that that was a big surprise to us. We mm. hadn't realised uh, how nice Barry was, and Barry has probably seven or eight nice restaurants as well. We just hadn't anticipated that. It's mm. kind of great. So we we spend time up there on Lake Simcoe, and and we go to restaurants up there too on the weekends. Mm. Um, Riding wise, uh, I do more riding up there than I do in the city. But I, I kind of like to just get on my bike and, and tool around the city and uh, yeah. and go to all the different neighborhoods. There's so many different neighborhoods. My yeah. kids live in the beaches, and we go and we go down there and spend time with them. It's just a fabulous neighborhood as well. So um, I don't know if I'm as good a, a tour guide as maybe you'd expect. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but at, at least at least that helps. I've only been in the GTA for four months now, so I know that at oh, least yeah? I check out the King Street restaurants and also you know Lake Simcoe is on my list of places to go check out. Oh, good. Yeah, you should do it. It's actually on the go now. The, oh. Like you can get the go train from, okay. from Union Station right up to Barry. Okay. And uh, it's it's cool. It's a nice nice place. They have a beautiful beaches in the summer. It's mm. it's uh, quite a thriving. There's something going on every weekend with festivals and things like that. Same as Toronto. You know, it's just there's so much to do in and around the different neighborhoods. Yeah. Cool. And before I let you go, I think my question. My second to the last question is going to be, you know, for young people that are just coming out of school or whether it's college or grad school and they're trying to get into their first career, do you have any advice for those people? Um, well, so much. It's a big question. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think the easiest advice I can give to people is, is to be, be a little bit humble 
you know, get in and, and prove yourself. You're not going to come and change the world right away, yeah. uh, which I've seen a lot of that kind of, uh, you know, uh, expectation. Um, I, I think I, I always feel that getting a job with the a big company is a good is one easier way to to get started in a career. Most like the banks and, and insurance companies and organizations like that have great training. They invest in new people. They it's a great you know you can see a career path ahead of you, and it helps you to settle into what you really want to do with your life. Um, you know, some people come out from school and don't really have a clear idea of what they want and where they want to go. Others have on on you know on on uh, reasonable expectations, but. Uh, it's it's all about I think understanding what you want from your career and and then uh, putting a plan in place to get it. Hmm. And so once you know having a few experiences can help you understand better. You know, do I want to work in a smaller company environment or a big company environment? Do I want to be the boss or do I want to be just a great resource at what I do? Yeah. Is is my focus on you know, material things or is it on other stuff? Hmm. Awesome. And my last question for you before I let you go is um, looking back on your career thus far, you know, you've come a long way from the young lad in Liverpool to where you are as chairman of uh, a company with over $140 million in revenue year over year. Is there Anything you could have done differently to help yourself if you could go back in time to do it or to advise yourself? I think it probably is. But, but what I always think is, is I'm the product of, of all of the experiences that I've had, good mm. and bad. Okay. And, and I kind of like who I am. And I think it's important to like who you are. I think yes. if, you, you know, if, you, if you like who you are, then life, life is good. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. Um, you know, I, I, people ask me, is the one thing that, that you would have said is, has been the biggest contributor to your success. And I usually say to them, time management. I, it's been, it's been a, a bugbear of mine forever. I, I think that if you can be the most productive you can be with the time you have, mm-hmm. Then that's that's going to get you ahead in almost any career, mm. uh, and and that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to work 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 work. If I'm putting in eight hours a day and I work eight hours, very focused, I'm going to be successful, mm-hmm. and that leaves the rest of my time to do the other things I want to do. Yeah. I mean, for for years, I played soccer. I only gave up soccer five years ago, but. That was, you know, I played competitive level soccer. I like to ride my motorbike. There's things I like to do in my spare time. Mm-hmm. And as, you know, the founder of a company, you don't always have a ton of spare time. So mm-hmm. you find ways to fit it into your to your life. So I think time management would be something I would advise anybody and everybody to, to focus in on. Mm. Awesome. And with that said, Kevin, we've reached the end of the show. I really want to thank you for spending the past 45 minutes sharing your words of wisdom. But before I let you oh, go, you. where can people find you, get to know more about you? I know you blog a lot on your company's blog, and you're very active on Twitter, which is how we met. So tell us a little bit more yeah, where, yes. where people can meet you, reach out to you, and connect with you if they want to learn more about you, 
they want to learn more about Eagle, and of course, if they want to ask you for advice or work with you. For sure. Uh, so the eagleonline.com is our Eagle website, and we have um, profiles for our executive up there with our contact information. So my email is there. Uh, um, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. It's Kevin D. Um, you know, uh, my email is, is uh, k.dee at eagleonline.com. Um, you know, I, I do spend time helping people out. It's one of the things I like to do. It's not something that I, uh, uh, you know, what I say to people, though, that if, if they want my help, they have to be willing to help themselves. Yes. So uh, don't don't phone me and say, hey, what do I got to do to make my life better? <laughs> <laughs> you can, but I'm happy to, if somebody comes with specific questions or people uh, you know, really want to know and, and can can articulate what it is that they're trying to get to, then I'm willing to help. Yes. Awesome. And I'll make sure I'll put a link to all that in the show notes once this episode goes live. So Kevin, my friend, thanks a lot for coming to share your story and to share your words of wisdom. I truly appreciate it. And I know all the GTA Titans out there truly appreciate learning more from an elder statesman like you who has gone before them and blazed the trail in the staffing industry. Thanks, G. That's it, people. Another fantastic episode of the GTA Business Titans podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast today and got some great info out of it, don't be stingy. Share with a friend and leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Also, if you need any help with your online marketing needs, feel free to reach out to me at www.odogwu.com. That's www.odogwu.com. Or you can email me on info, I-N-F-O, at odogwu.com. Or you just hit me up on this uh, GTA Business Titans podcast website and I'll be sure to respond to you. We help local businesses get more leads and sales from the internet using tools like Facebook advertising, Instagram ads, landing pages, website creation, online funnels, and so much more. So if you want to turn clicks into customers, there's only one name to call in the GTA and that's Chiodogu at www.odogwu.com. Till next time, guys. Be a titan, be great, make something great happen in your life today. Bye.